I think that a lot of people do know some Aboriginal people that just don't realise it. You look at my mum, she's English. You look at my dad, he's Aboriginal. And look at me, I'm a bit in between. <laughs> I haven't got the flat nose anymore. I sometimes wish I did. You know, just because I'm Aboriginal doesn't mean I have a flag tattooed to my forehead. Like most of them call me Aunty Lynn, and I'm happy to be their auntie, even though that I'm not. Because I am Aboriginal because of my DNA, not because of my lingo. I am Aboriginal because of my DNA, not because of my lingo. Meet the Mob, a podcast from 1233 ABC Newcastle with Jill Emerson. Subscribe at abc.net.au slash Newcastle. We've occupied a teacher's room at Valentine Public School on a cold day. We found a bit of warmth in here. I'm with Donna Fernando. Donna, you spent a lot of time down here at Valentine Public School helping Principal Rick Budden I don't know, promote some of the Aboriginal stuff that's mm-hmm. happening here. Why are you so passionate about that? I'm passionate about it, A, because um, I'm a parent here uh, of the school and have uh, my nieces and nephews come through the school and have always found since enrolling from kindergarten, my oldest is in year six, that the school and the uh, principal, Mr McCullum beforehand, Grant McCullum, um, and now fortunate enough to have Rick Budden also here as principal, that the staff have always wanted to expand their knowledge, their understanding, their awareness of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues in a very real and genuine way and have done before I had gotten here, but really want to make contact um, with the community extend their um, own work practices within the classroom but also give the students a fuller understanding of our communities. And then along come you as a parent who's got a bit of a passionate drive to do that and I want to find out where that drive comes from but I'd like to just touch on that point that you make there about the teachers uh, and and previous principals here wanting to really make the contact Mm. with the community Mm. That's not always an easy thing to do for non-Aboriginal people. Mm. Am I right? And help me understand why that's the case. I think so. I think the process uh, sometimes has been a maybe a, a, an us and them or the case of something being different or maybe too difficult in the past. And also the uh, school curriculum, both nationally and within the state, you know, uh, previously um, Aboriginal uh, content within schools uh, sometimes came down to, you know, a voluntary issue up to individual schools or teachers to to put that content into their classroom or it was very limited but um, obviously with the change in the school curriculum and the drive for real content around many of our social issues um, I think the push has been a genuine one and um, certainly myself and my communities and and the people I bring into the school and and, uh, artificial or a um, tokenistic gesture wouldn't uh, fly with me or them and uh, I wouldn't be a party to it. It's fascinating to hear you say that because you're actually touching there, I think, Donna, a bit on one of the nubs of the whole reconciliation thing, that kind of dance around mm. uh, Aboriginal, non-Aboriginal people. Am I, what do you think of that? Um, I think so. And um, in the past we've seen reconciliation potentially be one-sided. But given the role models both in the Aboriginal community and non-Aboriginal community to really make this um, a genuine ongoing process, not just, not just in Reconciliation Week, that recognition and reconciliation are part of the genuine social agenda and uh, hope coming across to the schools being one of them. And um, obviously, and reconciliation is an important part of our community processes and for our workers um, as well in schools and hospitals 
and and uh, with our Aboriginal community groups, you know, Aboriginal medical services, land councils, etc. You, from what I, I recall, Donna, you're you're active here at school in doing this kind of form of reconciliation work, but also at the Lake Macquarie Art Gallery, which is where I think I first uh, met you, Donna. Are you part of the Aboriginal consultative group there, and yeah. is that still going? What are you doing? Um, the Aboriginal reference group with the um, gallery has been uh, going on for 15 years plus now. That work has been has led to the opportunity not just to maybe guide and give advice around protocols uh, with Indigenous artists and communicate, um, communities, but also the case to curate and, um, and project manage many of those um, exhibitions in- involving um, Aboriginal-specific issues. And we have a new uh, exhibition coming up in September that I'll be curating around Aboriginal missions and specifically looking at the Birban and Threkeld relationship um, with Ebenezer um, in Belmont and leading to local stories as well. Why are you so passionate about all of these local Aboriginal stories? Because I think... Our knowledge um, has either been isolated or encapsulated somewhere else. So when we're talking about um, Aboriginal issues, it's always somewhere else or, you know, a sacred issue here or, you know, a famous person elsewhere or uh, we place a lot of um, our role model and attention on our sports heroes and rightly we should. But when we're talking about um, acknowledgement to countries, when our children are at assemblies and they're saying we like to acknowledge, you know, the Wabakal people, that we tell the stories of the people on the land where we are, that um, the, the stories of our local people, not only now but in the past, are very important and have led to some incredible outcomes and amazing times in history that... Um, this area and the peoples beforehand have been involved in and really now the opportunities to tell that story. It's a powerful point because so often we think the fascinating and amazing Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander stories are in the centre of the country. You really, from what you're saying, you think they're right here too. Oh, I know they're right here. I think you sort of get the inverted bunny years of traditional or, you know, real you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander things only happen in the central desert or, you know, um, up here. Top end. Yes. That we have a very real, very active, very passionate community um, of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here and a very uh, strong traditional base of uh, traditional owners and custodians here and that we know to a very large extent our histories uh, because of the work of uh, Reverend um, Threkeld and Biraban and the um, ongoing work of Professor John Maynard and the Wallatuka Yapag units at the University of Newcastle. It's, it's time that we take those stories out of the books and put them into a space that people can engage in, you know, really seal in a very real and tactile manner the stories of this place and these people who had such an incredible impact not only on Aboriginal lives at the time but also the lives that we live today, the place names, the people and the language. The first translation of an Aboriginal language from the Bible came from that relationship. Right here in the Hunter? Right here, right here from Belmont, Ebenezer. Donna Fernando with me on Meet the Mob on 12.33 ABC Newcastle. Donna, where did you grow up? Tell me about your Aboriginal background. Um, I have an Aboriginal father and I had a white mother. I'm from Brewarina, which is far west New South Wales, 
We came here and settled in Newcastle when I was about six. And we actually, uh, speaking of Belmont, we actually lived in the caravan park at Belmont and uh, we got our first home over in Lampton. And we'd always been involved in the local Aboriginal politics to say organisations. I remember, you know, as a teenager and, um, you know, falling asleep, you know, or being bored at the back while, you know, the um, Aboriginal Land Council meetings were happening, um, the medical service meetings. Um, my mother worked with the Aboriginal Medical Service, the Wobbacal Medical Service, for many, many years and uh, was an integral part of, of the building with that, of course, with the late uncle um, Bob Smith and many others. And my father was a very long-term director of the Wobbacal Medical Service um, and also the Wobbacal Organisation and Land Council, you know, and going on marches and you know, my mother and father very jointly going, you know, be proud of who you are and what your knowledge is. And my mother never, as a non-Aboriginal person, never backed down from that, was always very passionate about the rights, the responsibility of um, the government and others to put things right, start putting things in real terms for um, our Aboriginal communities um, and individuals around health and had been all her life. She was part of the one of the first volunteer nurses with the Flying Doctor Service to go to Aboriginal communities. She said, you know, sneaking supplies from the hospital when no one else would and, like, running, running in. Um, and my father as well, like, just for him, he was just, you know... He's just an Aboriginal bloke and doing stuff, but always you stand proud, you know who you are, and it, it's, it's just been part of my family life. And hopefully, and who you are. Yes, absolutely who I am. Tell me about your education, Donna. Um, well, it uh, happened predominantly here. Um, it went to Lampton Public School, Lampton High School, then on to Newcastle University. What did you study? Um, Bachelor of Education, English, English Literature and History, and uh, was a frequent face over at the small Wallatooka unit over there, as it was, a little building near the canteen. <laughs> on uh, Callaghan campus. and Much bigger now, but uh, yeah, yes. slightly. Yes, yeah, very impressive. Um, and then in the same year, myself and Professor Larissa Berent, we were given um, scholarships. Uh, Larissa went on to Harvard University and I was given a scholarship to Oxford University. Wow. What did you do there? Uh, paleoanthropology and Oxford Blue. Could you give me that in English? <laughs> Old things putting together historical references around, you know, bones, places and oddities. What was it like to do that at Oxford? It's surreal, sort of coming coming from where, you know, we came from and, um, yeah, and uh, just heading in gen- to England in general and sitting exams and that's the first time I went on a plane was from ever, was, you know, leaving Australia and heading to London, so... You're a very busy woman, Donna Fernando. You've got a couple of kids, a, a family to raise, a, a household to run. You're very active at the kids' school. You're on the uh, Lake Macquarie Art Gallery Reference Group. What do you do for fun? I'm very blank. <laughs> That's what I enjoy doing. I love curating. I love talking to our people, spending time with my kids. Is that sad? <laughs> but it's true. But it's true. I just... Um, yeah, that is my downtime. Like work, being with my kids. Um, my son uh, Eden has a uh, is special needs has has Down syndrome and doing a lot of work with the Special Olympics people locally. So, yeah, just being part of his life and the wonderful parents and children we have come in contact with all his life and continue to have wonderful relationships with and yeah you know it's soccer mum stuff you know all that stuff we all do on the weekends when we're yeah when we're not real people we're just mum (laughs) what's your idea of good night out a good night in yes I think so strictly no men allowed only women lots of bubbles 
in or out, one or the other. That's it. That, that's the perfect night to me. And no kids, of course. Isn't that the dream? <laughs> Donna, it's been great to meet you for Meet the Mob. I knew I'd meet you eventually. Thanks for spending some time hidden in, the, I don't know, some poor teacher's room here at Valentine Public School. My pleasure, Jill. You've been listening to a 1233 ABC Newcastle podcast. For more, visit our website at abc.net.au slash newcastle.